This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? And welcome to the Killing Commercial Podcast. I am Nicholas Ayers, joined as always by my good friends, David Carruthers and Kyle. Is it Hawk? Hawk, yes. Hawk. I would just go by Hawk. Hawk sounds much better. It's easier, right? Well, it just sounds like, I don't know. What's your, la- what's your last name, Hawk? <laughs> yeah. Kyle Hawk sounds like, like a WWE like Tony. <laughs> right. I, I sound like a WWE guy that just crushes monsters in the middle yeah. of the ring. Here's <laughs> Kyle, here comes Kyle Hawk with the beak buster. <laughs> Sinking it's, where, it's, where he, it's where he shotguns a, a, a Mountain Dew and then a monster back to back and flies at you off the top ropes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and eliminate any confusion so that those of you who might think you <laughs> happen to stumble across a podcast that doesn't exist, this is the Power Producers podcast where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And our guest is the one and only Mr. Nicholas Ayers. I only opened up because I have a better microphone than them. So. It's not a contest, but you probably do. It's not the size of the microphone that matters. It's how you say your name. Well, right? apparently it's not the quantity of microphones you have either, because as we discussed, I have several at this point um, that I wasn't anticipating having. So maybe we need to uh, incorporate you could do like a, one like a commercial raffle or something. Like a, like a, like yeah, a, I could. Yeah. I could. That's a good idea. So, um, Nick... I don't even know that for anybody listening to this, you need to tell them who you are, or where you came from, but why don't you share your story in the off chance somebody hasn't heard of you or know who you are? Sure. So uh, my name is Nicholas Ayers. I live here in Mesa, Arizona, originally from California. I've been in the insurance space since 2005. Um, I opened up my first independent agency in 2012. Uh, didn't learn my lesson. I did it again in 2018. Because uh, I'm a glutton for punishment, and uh, own Thriveshire Insurance Solutions. We do a few other things as well. Um, I am also CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of Better Agency, and also uh, owner and founder of Major League Video Marketing. What that tells me is we're not going to have any uh, issues finding things to talk about for the next little bit. No, I mean we we could talk about anything. I mean it's a uh, we can talk about aliens. We can talk about the insurance space. We can talk about anything you want. Well, we were talking about wrestling, and I am a bit of a savant when it comes to early to mid-80s wrestling. Like that, to me. Who was that, your guy? Jimmy Superfly Snuka in that area. 
Yeah. For sure. I was an Ultimate Warrior fan as a kid. I used yeah, to so Ultimate, Ultimate Warrior. Warrior, like, he was there in, like, the later part of the 80s. I'm, to me, my fondest memories of wrestling are the fact that my mother did not want me and my brother watching it ever because we would actually do the moves on each other. Who, who wouldn't? And, I mean, yeah. And then number two, the fact that when she would leave after dinner on either Tuesday or Thursday nights, whatever it came on, she would leave to go to the grocery store, and my dad would come get us out of bed to go down and watch wrestling with him. So that was back – that was superstar Billy Graham, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, Junkyard Dog. Yep. uh, The Strongbow Brothers were the tag team guys. The uh, Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito were uh, the – I mean, the Wild Samoans. I can keep going on and on. My my mom used to work with a lady who – I don't know if you remember this. They used to have this thing. I never saw one in person, but they used to have this thing called like a black box and used to get all the pay-per-views. And my mom would get the VHS, VHS tapes of these and she'd bring them home from like WrestleMania. And I remember watching WrestleMania 7. And I remember thinking Sergeant Slaughter was a legit, you know, American trader enjoying the Iraq, uh, you know. As a, <laughs> yes. I, I legit remember those things. And uh, like, that's like my childhood. It's like the renaissance of my childhood. Yeah, it's funny. Awesome. Um, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter had the camel clutch. That was pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, so my little known, well, I shouldn't say little known story, but um, I. Were you a professional wrestler? I was not. <laughs> I was not the revolting blob. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I lived in Birmingham, and my mom worked with a lady who dated one of the losers. And nice. so he hooked us up, got us tickets when uh, it wasn't WWF at the time. It was, it was like, all the regional stuff, like the regional. Yeah, but it was bigger than that. It, it, was kind of, it was kind of a weird deal, actually. It wasn't Georgia Championship Wrestling or WCW, but Ric Flair was there. Like, Ric Flair wrestled that night in this promotion. So this guy got us tickets. We went in, and we watched. And Ric Flair and Bob Armstrong went for, like, 30 minutes in this steel cage match. Both of them were a bloody mess when it was over with. And this guy, I'll never forget this guy. His name was Maurice Cooper. That was the guy that was the loser. And so Maurice took us back to the dressing room after it's all over. And Ric Flair's dressing room is literally like here. And Bob Armstrong's is literally right next to him. Like literally there, these guys just were in there. for. And that's, when, and, that's, and that's when you saw how the sausage was made. So <laughs> no, but what happened was we asked them for their autograph and Ric Flair took his finger, rubbed it across his bloody forehead and signed his autograph in his own blood on my notebook. And to this day, I have Ric Flair's autograph in his blood. You need to do that when you sign, like when you BOR an account, like a large <laughs> account. I want to, I think that'd be a great practice for you just to like prick, like prick your finger or cut, you know, slice your forehead like they did in those days. Blood capsules, blood capsules yeah. in the mouth and then just go, just, just take it off of your chin and sign I think- it. I think we. I think that's that is. People would be so confused. They'd be like, dude, did you just like bite your tongue in half? Like, what happened? <laughs> that is the killing commercial way. I think you've got to sign those BORs in a uh, in blood. That's a that is an outstanding idea. Let's implement that. Let's implement that ten uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So listen, man. I want to talk about better agency for a little bit because I mean I think that that's becoming a more and more um, known name. Yeah, in no small part due to your marketing and the fact that you invade everybody's news feeds all the time. But I want to talk a little bit about kind of where it's at and and what your thoughts are, what you see, where you see it going. And I want to preface that by saying that, you know, when people come into Killing Commercial, 
or even if they don't, if it's somebody that's just calling me to ask me questions or advice on certain things, I always ask them if they have a CRM. And I think we're at a point right now where, um, you know, you sort of have the, the, what I call the three 800 pound gorillas between uh, HubSpot, Salesforce and Infusionsoft are probably the three big ones where an agency that's out there and has never had a CRM before, if they were to go and try and use one of those systems out of the box, they're going to fail miserably because it's literally buying a chassis with nothing else on it. Um, and it seems like over the course of the last year, two years, there's been a, a morph or, or a push of more ready to use solutions that are out of the box, able to run some campaigns and do some things that are way more plug and play than you're ever going to find. And listen, everybody who listens to this knows that I'm a huge fan of HubSpot and everything that it's capable of doing. But I also knew what I was getting into. I was more mature in my agency at the time that I did it. And I understood the, what the financial aspect of that was going to be. And so there are many times where people call up thinking I'm going to recommend that they go jump on HubSpot. And my first answer is I don't think you're ready for that. It doesn't make any sense at all. It would make more sense for you to look at a tool like Better Agency that comes ready for you to use. So, you know, that's, that's my perception as to where it fits a need. I think there's a huge market for it out there right now. There's a lot of agencies that they're still trying to run their sales function off of an agency management system, which is ludicrous to me. Um, you know, I challenge them all the time. I say, go find a Fortune 500 company with an awesome sales team and let me know what agency management system they're using to run their sales force. It just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So why do we run agencies off of, you know, the sales function of an agency off of an agency management system? You know, certainly we can get into integration and stuff like that, but I'm just interested because you, um, you know, you've been involved with Better Agency for a while now. I'm just interested in what attracted you to it, kind of what got you involved in, what you see um, happening over the next little bit. Yeah, what got me attracted to it, it's that line from Rocky Three where Clever Lang looks at Rocky and he just goes, pain. You know, as an agency owner, we've had to, we've had to, we've had to deal with this. We've had to deal with systems that aren't functional, that let us down, that make big promises, they under-deliver, over-promise, agency management systems that are closed off to the market, that force agents to have to use something uh, that they have to build like a HubSpot or an Infusionsoft or a Salesforce, things that aren't made for for the industry. And so out of that pain and out of that problem, came the product. And the product was, let's deliver a solution that is made by agents for agency, for agents, and let's, let's deliver something that's going to allow them to get back to the very reason why they began this journey in the first place. You know, we've had, we've, we've, over the years, we've, we've required agents to become marketers, to become, uh, <laughs> to have degrees in computer science and understand coding and automation and all this, all these buzzwords, data and all these things. And we've gotten out of the very reason why we got in this business in the first place, which was to protect risk, build relationships with our clients, and to you know provide solutions in that area. And so, what Better Agency does is it takes that it takes out that obstacle, it takes away that roadblock that just says, you know what, we're going to give you a product that is going to do all the automation for you. It's going to have all the cross-selling features in there. It's going to have all of the renewal campaigns. It's going to have all of the cross uh, all of the service and claims, and it's going to it's actually going to be more functional than your agency management system in so many ways. And so, but, but it's still going to be a solution that's going to help you pre-sale and post-sale. And it's a solution that isn't just for the sales team. 
the solution that is for the, uh, the admin. It's for the solution that's for the service. It's the, it's the solution that's for your account managers and for your salespeople. And so that's where it came from. That's what attracted me to it was seeing the vision and, and then really understanding kind of, it didn't take me long to understand that this was going to be something that was going to be a problem solver for so many people. And to be able to be a part of that was flattering but all, and humbling, but also very rewarding and exciting. And so, uh, you know, where, where it's going, I, I see it, uh, and I posted this, I'm not sure when this will air, but I posted, I posted just yesterday, you know, for the last nine months, what we've really done is we've just proven the offer. We've proven that there's a need in the market for this. And now we're getting ready to blitz the market and really take this at scale. And we're, we have some really exciting things that we're going to be launching here. Uh, we just released the referral partner center that helps uh, personal lines agents connect with mortgage loan officers in a way that doesn't mean you generate leads for them or give them. It's, it's a way that really gives them back their own referrals and protect the book of business for their loan officers. We're excited where we're, where we're going to be going with commercial uh, and, and especially, you know, dealing with, with people like yourself, David, who are, who are experts in this realm, helping us kind of flesh out what that whole process and ecosystem needs to look like. The whole point of it is we want to keep it simple. We want to make agents aerodynamic. We want to allow them to move, to have less friction in their brain and to focus on what they need to focus on while still accomplishing things that they need to accomplish. That's going to allow them to scale, to keep their message simple and to grow their agencies and to retain what they have. So that's really the vision of it and where it's going. We have some really, some really fun things on the horizon that we believe in the next, you know, by the end of this year, 2020, or sometime in quarter one, 2021, uh, that uh, we believe will continue to separate better agency as a category of one product and to really put it in, in a much different discussion when it comes to the needs and desires of what an agency owner really needs versus what they really want. And it's gonna move into that, that direction, that realm of, this is something that an insurance agent needs. You know, you said something early on, um, that was a lot that you just said, but you said something early on that was interesting to me. And, and you, you said it fluently, so I know it's something that you believe and that you've said a lot of times. But you said that we've, we've forced agents to become, and then you listed a bunch of different things. I'm going to argue with you for a second. I don't think I we it. in the industry have forced agents to do anything. I think agents by and large are cheap and they don't want to spend money on things. And so it's inherent to them to go and try and figure out a way to cobble things together to fix a problem that would be so much easier fixed with a piece of technology. And I think that as an industry, until we can sit here and start to transform the way we think and realize that investing in technology is no different than investing in another person that comes in and works in our agency, that we're going to continue to, to struggle with a lot of those things because we don't, when you look at an inanimate object like a CRM, or it could even be like a VoIP system or any number of other things that we have in our agencies, we don't view that as a tool or an investment or a resource. We view it as an expense line. And that's the problem. Until you start understanding that when you make these investments, you should expect a return on that investment. And it's not a sinking fund on your financial statements every month. Then you're going to finally see the big picture and be able to go out and make the appropriate investments to take your agency to the next level. But until you do that, you're going to work real hard and you'll have some level of success, but you'll never maximize your potential because you got in your own way. It's a matter of margins and scale. And I, be, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, in insurance, you've, you've got so much margin. And I'll give you, give you some, some, some tangible examples. Most agents 
would say, I would love to be able to connect with 100% of my clients every year at Renewal, not to reshop their policies, but to connect with them, to build relationship with them, to do reviews and to have potential cross-selling and upselling type opportunities. I think most agents would agree that that would be something that they would like to do efficiently. You get to 500 accounts, 1,000 accounts, 2,000 accounts, that becomes really hard to do and to maintain consistently. You need things that are going to allow you to do that at scale. You can say, I'm going to hire the, you know, X amount of account managers and CSRs, and they're going to do that and, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, now you're, now you're fighting the battle of margins. You're only so profitable on an account. You need to maximize your profitability on those accounts. And technology is a great way to do that. And you're absolutely right that if the technology that you have isn't providing a positive ROI, then you need to evaluate what that technology is really doing. You know, we, we are not ashamed to say that when it comes to our price point in the market, better agency is not the cheapest solution. And we don't want to be because we believe that with its power, the better agency has that when used and when leveraged, because again, a tool is not any, it's not effective until you swing the hammer. So when you actually swing the hammer, that's better agency, you're going to see results. We have people that use it and they have tremendous, they have immediate wins, you know, well within their trial period of 14 days where they're paying for the entire year of it. So if your system is not providing that positive ROI, then you need to really reevaluate it. And the last thing I'll say on that is, you know, that's, I almost have come to loathe the term ROI in a sense, because it's almost used as an excuse by so many people. They'll say, well, what's the ROI? What do I have? Um, they look at it almost like, what do I have to lose? Uh, instead of thinking, what do I have to gain? So when they're looking at technology or they're looking at a program like Killing Commercial or they're looking at anything, the true winner, winner's mindset is not, well, what am I going to lose? It's what am I going to lose if I don't do it? What am I going to gain if I do do it? That's what they should, that's what they should really be focusing on is, is the, what, what they stand to, to really gain, not what they stand to lose. And, I, and I, I just, I see that mindset in so many people, not just insurance agents, but just people across the board. And I think the people that really get it are the people who have that different shift of thinking, well, I'm going to get something in return as opposed to lose something if I do this. Yeah. I think the other thing too, is that um, by and large, many of the agents out there are looking at it through the wrong lens too, meaning I'm not advocating that you automate everything in your agency. I'm no. not ad advocating that no. you get that touch with your client. I'm advocating that you make an intelligent choice about the technology that you put in place to enhance the experience of the clients that you have to free you up to deliver more value than you would be able to deliver if you're dealing with basic tasks that could easily be automated and has no bearing whatsoever. We have people who use our software who now they look at their team, but before they had X amount of CSRs and X amount of salespeople. Now Better Agency is helping them not to replace the CSRs, but now they're taking the CSRs and instead of laying them off, now they're turning them into more revenue generating roles uh, within the agency because Better Agency is effectively and efficiently allowing them to do the things at scale that they were unable to do before. And now we get back to that word again, the word that I love, and I think it's so important in business, it's the forgotten word is margins it's profit and it's allowing them to run a much more profitable organization because now they're taking people that that truly were an expense to the agency now they're putting them into more revenue generating roles and so when we hear stories like that that's what really fires us up because we know that a that they're they're seeing success with you know the product but they're also buying into a different mindset of running the organization a lot differently and that's 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 i would i would say that's almost like payday it's very close but uh it's it's very rewarding What's been your biggest learning experience with Better Agency? 
that the way that you do business, meaning me and Nicholas Sears, the way that I do business isn't necessarily the way that everybody else, and I knew this, but isn't the way that everybody else wants to do business. And so mm-hmm. you have to be flexible. I'll give you an example. Um, I, in my agency, I do service a certain way. You are not making a change to your policy unless you do it this way. I learned this lesson years ago when I tried to set a doctor's appointment. They said, no, you got to go online. You just can't call in. Mm-hmm. And I also learned it again when I needed to take care of some legal work for our family trust. And they said, well, no, you've, you've got to do it this way. And so we've set a certain process in our agency. You've got to do service this way. You've got to go on our website. You've got to fill it in. We got to get it in writing. It goes into our queue. Our team does it. Mm-hmm. If you don't like that, I'm not the agent for you. That's, and that's fine. But um, what I sometimes find the trap that I get stuck in, and it's a lesson I learn more and more often I like is that not everybody does it that way. And so when we're looking at building out functionality and uh, really putting features in the product, it's trying to take off. Okay. It's good to see things through the eyes of, you know, through my experience, but I also Mm -hmm. have to be willing to know that not everybody does it that particular way or wants to do it that particular way. Um, So that's been intriguing. I think there are some other lessons that have been uh, good, but more so good because you just understand People like give you give you another example. You know, there, before better agency came on the scene in January, there were other there were other things in the marketplace, other things that, quite frankly, hadn't involved in years. Um, and now better agency comes on the scene and we start saying we're going to do this. We're start talking about doing that. We start doing this and that, and we start moving at a pace that, quite frankly, isn't fast enough for me because I, I just want to go balls to the wall with it. But you, now you start to see everybody else kind of try to play catch up. And that's kind of been an interesting thing to see when you, when you realize that the marketplace has been the, themselves, they're being forced to evolve. And, and we can look at that and we can say, okay, well, they're just, you know, they're, they're just trying to rip something off or copy it. I actually look at it quite differently. And I think this is great for the industry because now more people are going to win, whether they use our product or somebody else's product, we want to see the industry move forward. And we don't get me wrong. We want to be the ones leading the charge. But it's great to see that other people in the marketplace are seeing what we're doing, acknowledging its, its value, and then are trying to uh, add those same things to their, their platforms. I think you're seeing that a lot across literally all technology around the insurance space right now. I mean, not even – so you can, you can take better agency in your competitors in that space. But, I mean, also look at people like Tarmica and Semzi. Like, that's an arms race in and of itself, Right. And I think there's these little pockets of different technological service providers that um, maybe some of them entered the marketplace at the same time as, as immediate competitors, or maybe the new, new guy on the block, better agency comes in and they elevate the game of everybody else, get them motivated. Regardless of how it happens, I think it's a really exciting time for the industry Absolutely. because there's a, so much innovation that's happening right now. Um, I don't know of any other time in the 20 years I've been in this industry that I've seen this much happening and this much change. Like, not just the fact that they're trying to make change and develop, but it's actually happening and the impact is being seen in real time. What's, uh, I always re- retell this story. So if you've heard it, forgive me. If you're listening, you've heard this, just bear with me. Uh, many people also know of my involvement with uh, IAOA. We do an annual event every year called Innovation. I can remember back in 2016 we have a vendor hall at our event every year the vendor hall helps pay for the event we have a vendor hall we couldn't get more than 20 vendors to fill that vendor hall in 2016 not because they didn't want to come it's because they didn't exist 
We had to get vendors outside of the insurance space, your infusion softs, uh, and you know some other. We had to bring in life people to fill the vendor hall because we couldn't find enough. People that's mineral. that's fast, when you know it's bad, man. When you have to bring in the life people, that's when it's bad. <laughs> fast, fast forward to today, uh, we're going to have innovation. Uh, we're, we've postponed it. It's going to be in Tampa uh, in April, at the end of April. We're going to have over 100 vendors there. We're already 80% sold out. And so pe- like people saying, yes, take cash the check, reserve my spot. And we're going to turn people away. And so when you see the uh, and that's all pretty much that's going to be all insurance vendors and so when you see how fast things have moved in just the last four or five years it's pretty what do you remarkable. attribute it to uh well i mean i i attribute it to the the market the market has the market determines what, what if there's a need and i think people have seen that there's a need and and there's also a lot of vendors now who are agent driven which is really cool so the agents who are in our space they see the opportunity and they're entrepreneur they themselves are already entrepreneurs so they they see the need and they want to fill the need and so you start to see a a renaissance of this happening and sometimes that gets looked down upon people say well they should just focus on their agencies to which i think you know this is weird to hear from business owners but (laughs) that's a different conversation on in and of itself and so we, uh, I think we see that, that the market is showing that there's demand, but there's no, we need more supply in order to, you know, meet the need. And- this is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here, go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? And welcome to the Killing Commercial Podcast. I am Nicholas Harris, joined, as always, by my good friends, David Carruthers and Kyle. Is it Hawk? Hawk, yes. Hawk. I would just go by Hawk. Hawk sounds much better. It's easier, right? Well, it just sounds like, I don't know. Sound- what's, your la- what's your last name? Hawk. <laughs> yeah. Kyle Hawk sounds like, like a WWE like <laughs> Right. I, I mean, sound like a WWE guy that just crushes monsters in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Here's Kyle. Here comes Kyle Hawk with the beak buster. <laughs> Sinking. It's, it's, where he, it's where he shotguns a, a, a Mountain Dew and then a monster back to back and flies at you off the top ropes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and eliminate any confusion so that those of you who might think you happen to stumble across a podcast that doesn't exist, this is the Power Producers podcast. 
where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And our guest is the one and only Mr. Nicholas Ayers. I only opened up because I have a better microphone than them. So it's not a contest that you probably did. It's not the size of the microphone that matters. It's how you say your name. Well, right? apparently it's not the quantity of microphones you have either. Cause as we discussed, I have several at this point um, that I wasn't anticipating having. So maybe we need to, uh, Incorporate you could do like a, do a commercial raffle or something. Like a, like a, like yeah, a, I could. Yeah. I could. That's a good idea. So, um, Nick, I don't even know that for anybody listening to this, you need to tell them who you are, where you came from, but why don't you share your story in the off chance somebody hasn't heard of you or know who you are? Sure. So, uh, my name is Nicholas Ayers. I live here in Mesa, Arizona, originally from California. I've been in the insurance space since 2005. Um, I opened up my first independent agency in 2012. Uh, didn't learn my lesson. I did it again in 2018 because uh, I'm a glutton for punishment and uh, own ThriveShirt Insurance Solutions. We do a few other things as well. Um, I am also CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of Better Agency and also uh, owner and founder of Major League Video Marketing. What that tells me is we're not going to have any uh, issues finding things to talk about for the next little bit. No, I mean, we, we could talk about anything. I mean, it's, uh, we could talk about aliens. We could talk about the insurance space. We could talk about anything you want. Well, we were talking about wrestling and I am a bit of a savant when it comes to early to mid eighties wrestling like that to me. Who was your guy? Jimmy Superfly Snuka in that area. Yeah, for sure. I was an ultimate warrior fan as a kid. Yeah. So ultimate warrior, Warrior, like he was there in like the later part of the eighties. I'm to me, my fondest memories of wrestling are the fact that my mother did not want me and my brother watching it ever because we would actually do the moves on each other. I mean, yeah. And then number two, the fact that when she would leave after dinner on either Tuesday or Thursday nights, whatever it came on, she would leave to go to the grocery store and my dad would come get us out of bed to go down and watch wrestling with him. So that I, uh, was back. That was superstar Billy Graham, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, Junkyard Dog. Yep. Uh, the Strongbow Brothers were the tag team guys. The uh, Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito were uh, the, the, Asian, I mean, the wild Samoans. I can keep going on and on. My, uh, my mom used to work with a lady who, I don't know if you remember this, they used to have this thing. I never saw one in person, but they used to have this thing called like a black box and I used to get all the pay-per-views. And my mom would get the VHS, VHS tapes of these and she'd bring them home from like WrestleMania. And I remember watching WrestleMania 7. And I remember thinking Sergeant Slaughter was a legit, you know, American trader enjoying the Iraq, uh, you know. As a, <laughs> yes. I, I legit remember those things. And uh, like, the, that's like my childhood. It's like the renaissance of my childhood. Yeah, it's funny. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter had the camel clutch. That was pretty nasty. Yeah, so my little known, well, I shouldn't say little known story, but um, I- Were you a professional wrestler? I was not. (laughs) I was not the revolting blob. Uh, (laughs) But but, uh, I lived in Birmingham, and my mom worked with a lady who dated one of the losers. And so he hooked us up, got us tickets when um, it wasn't WWF at the time. It was was all the regional stuff, like the regional- yeah, but it was bigger than that. It, it, was, it was kind of a weird deal, actually. It wasn't Georgia Championship Wrestling or WCW, but Ric Flair was there. Like, Ric mm-hmm. Flair wrestled that night in this promotion. So this guy got us tickets. We went in, and we watched. And Ric Flair and Bob Armstrong went for, like, 30 minutes in this steel cage match 
both of them were a bloody mess when it was over with. And this guy, I'll never forget this guy. His name was Maurice Cooper. That was the guy that was the loser. And so Maurice took us back to the dressing room after it's all over. And Ric Flair's dressing room is literally like here. And Bob Armstrong's is literally right next to him. Like literally they're, these guys just were in there for and that's, when, and that's And that's when you saw how the sausage was made. So <laughs> no, but what happened was we asked them for their autograph and Ric Flair took his finger rubbed it across his bloody forehead and signed his autograph in his own blood on my notebook. And to this day, I have Ric Flair's autograph in his blood. You need to do that when you sign, like when you BOR a, an account, like a large <laughs> account. I want to, I think that'd be a great practice for you just to like prick, like prick your finger or cut, you know, slice your forehead like they did in those days. Blood just, capsules, blood capsules yeah. in the mouth and then just go, just, just take it off of your chin and sign I think, it. I think we. I think that's that is. People will be so confused. They're like, dude, did you just like bite your tongue in half? Like, what happened? <laughs> that is the killing commercial way. I think you've got to sign those BORs in a uh, in blood. That's a that is an outstanding idea. Let's For implement sure. that. Let's implement that uh, ten one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So listen, man, I want to talk about better agency for a little bit because I mean I think that that's becoming a more and more um, known name. Yeah, in no small part due to your marketing and the fact that you invade everybody's news feeds all the time. But I want to talk a little bit about kind of where it's at and, and what your thoughts are, what you see, where you see it going. And I want to preface that by saying that, you know, when people come into Killing Commercial, or even if they don't, if it's somebody that's just calling me to ask me questions or advice on certain things, I always ask them if they have a CRM. And I think we're at a point right now where, um, you know, you sort of have the, the what I call the three 800-pound gorillas between uh, HubSpot, Salesforce, and Infusionsoft are probably the three big ones, where an agency that's out there and has never had a CRM before, if they were to go and try and use one of those systems out of the box, they're going to fail miserably because it's literally buying a chassis with nothing else on it. Um, and it seems like over the course of the last year, two years, there's been a, a morph or, or a push of more ready to use solutions that are out of the box, able to run some campaigns and do some things that are way more plug and play than you're ever going to find. And listen, everybody who listens to this knows that I'm a huge fan of HubSpot and everything that it's capable of doing. But I also knew what I was getting into. I was more mature in my agency at the time that I did it. And I understood the, what the financial aspect of that was going to be. And so there are many times where people call up thinking I'm going to recommend that they go jump on HubSpot. And my first answer is, I don't think you're ready for that. It doesn't make any sense at all. It would make more sense for you to look at a tool like Better Agency that comes ready for you to use. So, you know, that's, that's my perception as to where it fits a need. And there, I think there's a huge market for it out there right now. There's a lot of agencies that are still trying to run their sales function <laughs> off of an agency management system, which is ludicrous to me. Um, you know, I challenge them all the time. I say, go find a Fortune 500 company with an awesome sales team and let me know what agency management system they're using to run their sales force. It just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So why do we run agencies off of, you know, the sales function of an agency off of an agency management system? You know, certainly we can get into integration and stuff like that, but I'm just interested because you, um, you know, you've been involved with Better Agency for a while now. I'm just interested in what attracted you to it, kind of what got you involved in what you see um, happening over the next little bit. 
Yeah, what got me attracted to it, it's that line from Rocky Three where Clubber Lang looks at Rocky and he just goes, pain. You know, as an agency owner, we've had to, we've had to, we've had to deal with this. We've had to deal with systems that aren't functional, that let us down, that make big promises, they underdeliver, overpromise, uh, agency management systems that are closed off to the market, to force agents to have to use something uh, that they have to build like a HubSpot or an Infusionsoft or a Salesforce, things that aren't made for the, for the industry. And so out of that pain and out of that problem, came the product. The product was, let's deliver a solution that is made by agents for agency for agents. And let's, let's deliver something that's going to allow them to get back to the very reason why they began this during the first place. You know, we've had, we've, we've, over the years, we've, we've required agents to become marketers, to become, uh, <laughs> to have degrees in computer science and understanding coding and automation and all this, all these buzzwords, data and all these things. And we've gotten out of the very reason why we got in this business in the first place, which was to protect risk, the relationships with our clients, and to, you know, provide solutions in that area. And so what better agency does is it takes, that, it takes out that obstacle. It takes away that roadblock that just says, you know what, we're going to give you a product that is going to do all the automation for you. It's going to have all the cross-selling features in there. It's going to have all of the renewal campaigns. It's going to have all of the cross, uh, all of the service and claims, and it's going to it's actually going to be more functional than your agency management system in so many ways. And so, but, but it's still going to be a solution that's going to help you pre-sale and post-sale. And it's a solution that isn't just for the sales team. It's a solution that is for the, the admin. It's for the solution that's for the service. It's the, it's the solution that's for your account managers and for your salespeople. And so that's where it came from. That's what attracted me to it was seeing the vision and, and then, really understanding kind of, it didn't take me long to understand that this was going to be something that was going to be a problem solver for so many people. And to be able to be a part of that was flattering but all and humbling, but also very rewarding and exciting. And so, uh, you know, where, where it's going, I, I see it, uh, and I posted this, I'm not sure when this will air, but I posted, I posted just yesterday, you know, for the last nine months, what we've really done is we've just proven the offer. We've proven that there's a need in the market for this. And now we're getting ready to blitz the market and really take this at scale. And we're, we have some really exciting things that we're going to be launching here. Uh, we just released the referral partner center that helps uh, personal lines agents connect with mortgage loan officers in a way that doesn't mean you generate leads for them or give them. It's, it's a way that really gives them back their own referrals and protect the book of business for their loan officers. We're excited where we're, where we're going to be going with commercial uh, and, and especially, you know, dealing with, with people like yourself, David, who are, who are experts in this realm, helping us kind of flesh out what that whole process and ecosystem needs to look like. The whole point of it is we want to keep it simple. We want to make agents aerodynamic. We want to allow them to move, to have less friction in their brain and to focus on what they need to focus on while still accomplishing things that they need to accomplish. That's going to allow them to scale, to keep their message simple and to grow their agencies and to retain what they have. So that's really the vision of it and where it's going. We have some really, some really fun things on the horizon that we believe in the next, you know, by the end of this year, 2020, or sometime in quarter one, 2021, uh, that uh, we believe will continue to separate better agency as a category of one product and to really put it in, in a much different discussion when it comes to the needs and desires of what an agency owner really needs versus what they really want. And it's going to move into that, that direction, that realm of this is something that an insurance agent needs. You know, you said something early on 
um, that was a lot that you just said, but said something early on that was interesting to me. And, and you, you said it fluently. So I know it's something that you believe and that you've said a lot of times, but you said that we've, we've forced agents to become, and then you listed a bunch of different things. I'm going to argue with you for a second. I don't think I we in the industry have forced agents to do anything. I think agents by and large are cheap and they don't want to spend money on things. And so it's inherent to them to go and try and figure out a way to cobble things together to fix a problem that would be so much easier fixed with a piece of technology. And I think that as an industry, until we can sit here and start to transform the way we think and realize that investing in technology is no different than investing in another person that comes in and works in our agency, that we're going to continue to, to struggle with a lot of those things because we don't when you look at an inanimate object like a CRM or it could even be like a VoIP system or any number of other things that we have in our agencies, we don't view that as a tool or an investment or a resource. We view it as an expense line. And that's the problem. Until you start understanding that when you make these investments, you should expect a return on that investment. And it's not a sinking fund on your financial statements every month. Then you're going to finally see the big picture and be able to go out and make the appropriate investments to take your agency to the next level. But until you do that, you're going to work real hard and you'll have some level of success, but you'll never maximize your potential because you got in your own way. It's a matter of margins and scale. And I, be, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, in insurance, you've, you've got so much margin and I'll give you, give you some, some, some tangible examples. Most agents would say, I would love to be able to connect with 100% of my clients every year at renewal, not to reshop their policies, but to connect with them, to build relationship with them, to do reviews and to have potential cross-selling and upselling type opportunities. I think most agents would agree that that would be something that they would like to do efficiently. You get to 500 accounts, 1,000 accounts, 2,000 accounts, that becomes really hard to do and to maintain consistently. You need things that are going to allow you to do that at scale. You can say, I'm going to hire the, you know, X amount of account managers and CSRs, and they're going to do that and, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, now you're, now you're fighting the battle of margins. You're only so profitable on an account. You need to maximize your profitability on those accounts. And technology is a great way to do that. And you're absolutely right that if the technology that you have isn't providing a positive ROI, then you need to evaluate what that technology is really doing. You know, we, we are not ashamed to say that when it comes to our price point in the market, better agency is not the cheapest solution. And we don't want to be because we believe that with its power, the better agency has that when used and when leveraged, because again, a tool is not any, it's not effective until you swing the hammer. So when you actually swing the hammer, that's better agency, you're going to see results. We have people that use it and they have tremendous, they have immediate wins, you know, well within their trial period of 14 days where they're paying for the entire year of it. So if your system is not providing that positive ROI, then you need to really reevaluate it. And the last thing I'll say on that is, you know, that's, I almost have come to loathe the term ROI in a sense, because it's almost used as an excuse by so many people. They'll say, well, what's the ROI? What do I have? Um, they look at it almost like, what do I have to lose? Uh, instead of mm -hmm. thinking, what do I have to gain? So when they're looking at technology or they're looking at a program like Killing Commercial or they're looking at anything, the true winner, winner's mindset is not, well, what am I going to lose? It's what am I going to lose if I don't do it? What am I going to gain if I do do it? That's what they should, that's what they should really be focusing on is, is the, what, what they stand to, to really gain, not what they stand to lose. And, I, and I, I just, I see that mindset in so many people, not just insurance agents, but just people across the board. And I think the people that really get it are the people who have that different shift of thinking, well, I'm going to get something in return as opposed to lose something if I do this. Yeah. I think the other thing too is that um, 
by and large, many of the agents out there are looking at it through the wrong lens too, meaning I'm not advocating that you automate everything in your agency. I'm no. not ad advocating that no. you get that touch with your client. I'm advocating that you make an intelligent choice about the technology that you put in place to enhance the experience of the clients that you have to free you up to deliver more value than you would be able to deliver if you're dealing with basic tasks that could easily be automated and has no bearing whatsoever. We have people who use our software who now they look at their team, but before they had X amount of CSRs and X amount of salespeople. Now better agency is helping them not to replace the CSRs, but now they're taking the CSRs and instead of laying them off, now they're turning them into more revenue generating roles uh, within the agency because better agency is effectively and efficiently allowing them to do the things at scale that they were unable to do before. And now we get back to that word again, the word that I love, and I think it's so important in business, it's the forgotten word is margins it's profit and it's allowing them to run a much more profitable organization because now they're taking people that that truly were an expense to the agency now they're putting them into more revenue generating roles and so when we hear stories like that that's what really fires us up because we know that a that they're they're seeing success with you know the product but they're also buying into a different mindset of running the organization a lot differently and that's 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 i would i would say that's almost like payday it's very close but uh it's it's very rewarding What's been your biggest learning experience with Better Agency? That the way that you do business, meaning me and Nicholas Ayers, the way that I do business isn't necessarily the way that everybody else, and I knew this, but isn't the way that everybody else wants to do business. And so mm -hmm. you have to be flexible. I'll give you an example. Um, I, in my agency, I do service a certain way. You are not making a change to your policy unless you do it this way. I learned this lesson years ago when I tried to set a doctor's appointment. They said, no, you got to go online. You just can't call in. Mm -hmm. And I also learned it again when I needed to take care of some legal work for our family trust. And they said, well, no, you've, you've got to do it this way. And so we've set a certain process in our agency. You've got to do service this way. You've got to go on our website. You've got to fill it in. We got to get it in writing. It goes into our queue. Our team does it. Mm -hmm. If you don't like that, I'm not the agent for you. That's, and that's fine. But um, what I sometimes find the trap that I get stuck in and it's a lesson I learn more and more often that I like is that not everybody does it that way. And so when we're looking at building out functionality and uh, really putting features in the product, it's trying to take off. Okay. It's good to see things through the eyes of, you know, through my experience, but I also mm -hmm. have to be willing to know that not everybody does it that particular way or wants to do it that particular way. Um, so that's been intriguing. I think there are some other lessons that have been, uh, good, but more so good because you just understand people. Like, give you give you another example. You know, there, before Better Agency came on the scene in January, there were other there were other things in the marketplace, other things that, quite frankly, hadn't involved in years. Um, and now Better Agency comes on the scene, and we start saying we're going to do this. We're start talking about doing that. We start doing this and that, and we start moving at a pace that, quite frankly, isn't fast enough for me because I, I just want to go balls to the wall with it, but. You, now you start to see everybody else kind of try to play catch up. And that's kind of been an interesting thing to see when you, when you realize that the marketplace has been the, themselves are being forced to evolve. And, and we can look at that and we can say, okay, well, they're just, you know, they're, they're just trying to rip something off or copy it. I actually look at it quite differently. And I think this is great for the industry because now more people are going to win, whether they use our product or somebody else's product, we want to see the industry move forward. And we don't get me wrong. We want to be the ones leading the charge. 
but it's great to see that other people in the marketplace are seeing what we're doing, acknowledging its, its value, and then are trying to uh, add those same things to their, their platforms. I think you're seeing that a lot across literally all technology around the insurance space right now. I mean, not even, so you can, you can take better agency in your competitors in that space, but I mean, also look at people like Tarmica and Semzi, like that's an arms race in and of itself, right? And I think there's these little pockets of different technological service providers that um, maybe some of them entered the marketplace at the same time as, as immediate competitors, or maybe the new, new guy on the block, better agency comes in and they elevate the game of everybody else, get them motivated. Regardless of how it happens, I think it's a really exciting time for the industry Absolutely. because there's a, so much innovation that's happening right now. Um, I don't know of any other time in the 20 years I've been in this industry that I've seen this much happening and this much change. Like, not just the fact that they're trying to make change and develop, but it's actually happening and the impact is being seen in real time. What's, uh, I always re retell this story. So if you've heard it, forgive me. If you're listening, you've heard this, just bear with me. Uh, many people also know of my involvement with uh, IAOA. We do an annual event every year called Innovation. I can remember back in 2016, we have a vendor hall at our event every year. It's a vendor hall that helps pay for the event. We have a vendor hall. We couldn't get more than 20 vendors to fill that vendor hall in 2016. Not because they didn't want to come. It's because they didn't exist. We had to get vendors outside of the insurance space, your Infusionsofts, uh, and you know, some other, we had to bring in life people to fill the vendor hall because we couldn't find enough people that's, to fill the vendor hall. That's fast, when you know it's bad, man. When you have to bring in the life people, that's when it's bad. <laughs> fast, fast forward to today. Uh, we're going to have innovation. Uh, we're, we've postponed. It's going to be in Tampa uh, in April, at the end of April. We're going to have over 100 vendors there. We're already 80% sold out. And so pe like people saying, yes, take cash the check, reserve my spot. And we're going to turn people away. And so when you see the, uh, and that's all pretty much, that's going to be all insurance vendors. And so when you see how fast things have moved in just the last four or five years, it's, what do you attribute it to? Uh, well, I mean, I, I attribute it to the, the market. The market, has, the market determines what, what, if there's a need. And I think people have seen that there's a need. And, and there's also a lot of vendors now who are agent-driven, which is really cool. So the agents who are in our space, they see the opportunity and they're entrepreneur, they're, they're, they themselves are already entrepreneurs. So they, they see the need and they want to fill the need. And so you start to see a, a renaissance of this happening. And sometimes that gets looked down upon. People say, well, they should just focus on their agencies, to which I think, you know, this is weird to hear from business owners, but that's a different conversation on, in and of itself. And so we, uh, I think we see that, that the market is showing that there's demand, but there's no, we need more supply in order to, you know, meet the need. And I think also think that the way that insurance is moving, I think it's, it's moving really fast in that technology, it was trying to play catch up with technology. And so you just have this kind of race where it's, you know, vendors are trying to f find little, little uh, gaps where they can serve a need and, and, and provide a solution because there's plenty of them. And so I think it, it's, it's just attributed to the market saying we want this and people are answering the, the, the bell. Well, I think too, Kyle, you have to think about it from the standpoint of the insurance landscape as a whole. We're a unicorn. Like our agency mm -hmm. is not normal compared to right. 
the average agency is. And so there's so much technology that's being developed around what I would, you know, classify as more the classical main street agency that Mm -hmm. they're probably not going to write the larger commercial stuff that we go after, but they write a a huge amount of homeowners and, and, and small commercial stuff. And I mean, even just the number of companies that can help you boost your Google reviews. Like it, it just blows my mind the level of detail that people are going to to find these needs that need to be met. Like you could really, so you, you go from this huge, massive amount of just HubSpot, right? Which could do literally about anything, but you have to program it and make it do exactly what you want to do to very, very specific technology companies that meet one specific need. But yeah. if it wasn't really like, I think a podium, right? I hear a lot of people complain about podium and the price. But my God, I've also seen people get like hundreds of reviews that had none and ultimately write business through the chat box and everything else. And then I sit back and look, now how, now how expensive is it, right? Like, right. It, goes back to, it goes back to that argument. I mean, if you're looking at it, what, if, you're, if you're looking at the price of something and you're going, man, I, I can't afford to part with that money, instead of thinking about the investment side of what is this going to do for my business, if you swing the hammer, then I think that, you know, that's, that's, a dif- that's the differentiator between uh, a winning business owner and a stagnant declining business owner. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, th- again, it could, you, we can use every analogy or trite expression, but it's the difference between working in your business and working on your business and stepping back and taking that overview and determining exactly where you need to invest your time, energy, and money. Mm-hmm. So listen, we've beat better agency to death. Is there anything else that you think every? let me ask you this, who is, I mean, obviously you're going to tell me probably everybody, but of the agencies that, um, what, what's your target agency? Like if somebody's listening, mm-hmm. to this, they're thinking, hmm, this better agency really for me, is this something I should consider? You know, who are you really the most successful with? Yeah, we are, we believe that we are a, a broad market solution. Uh, we believe that today, as we record this, I'll tell you where we're at today and where we think we'll be in the not too distant future. Today, we are, and by today, this is probably for the rest of the year, for the most part. Uh, we'll just give it that to be conservative. We're for the 80% of the uh, industry that is focused on personal lines and small commercial. Uh, we are not a good fit for people who are saying I'm a life only agent. I do Medicare. I do final expense. That's not our, that's not our customer. The people who say we are, uh, looking to do more large commercial, middle market uh, commercial. We believe we're going to have solutions in place for that in the very, in quarter one of 2021. So when we kind of get that kind of in line, then that's where we're at. But, but for the most part, you know, we, there's, there's, there's uh, products and solutions that are very niche focused on a certain segment of the population. We believe that we're going to be a more broad market um, solution for the majority of the, of, of the industry force. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good definition. So let's talk about made you look. What's going on, man? I mean, everything's good. It, it, yeah, you know, yeah. You're popping up in my newsfeed like crazy. <laughs> it's funny because I don't think people have any idea that I actually write middle market commercial business. They think that I just do BMW ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Major Look is going great. So, I mean, we started Major Look in August of 2018. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting 
component. For those of you who don't know what we do, what we focus on, we show insurance agents how to attract their ideal customer, write the right script and put their ad in front of the right person using paid YouTube ads. And a lot of people say, Nick, a YouTube ad? I hate YouTube ads. Yeah, you might hate YouTube ads, but when you show the right ad to the right person at the right time and you leverage the data that Google has on somebody and you're hitting them with an emotional medium like video, that can be very, very powerful. Um, I always tell people I prefer Google ads over Facebook ads or any other type of paid advertising because I'm not a very good salesman by, by nature. And so I need the, I need more of a lay down. And the best way I can do that is by leveraging the data that Google has on people. Google owns YouTube. Google is the number one website on the planet. YouTube is the number two website on the planet together. They take all this information on people and it's a lot of information. Google knows more about you than you know about yourself. I jokingly tell people there's a reason why you don't see the CEO of Google in front of Congress. It's because the people of Congress know that Google knows the information about them. And you're able to take that information and you're able to use a cheat code where you're able to use an emotional medium like video to connect with them and to compel them to take action with you. So whether it's uh, whether it's personal lines insurance, whether it's life insurance, whether it's small commercial, whether, you know, we're, I'd love to figure out a way to, to get a bigger hook into the middle market accounts, but that is, that is what we do. And so our program goes over three main pillars. We train people how to do it, how to make it, how to use it, how to build out the ads, how to understand their, their KPIs and analytics. We provide ongoing support. I do a call every single week where it's a done with you slash done for you call where I'm going to remote in. I'm going to take control. I'm going to essentially do it for you on the screen, let you ask questions. I'm going to ask you questions. We're going to go over your numbers. We're going to go over your KPIs. And then we also provide the video editing for folks as well. So they don't have to worry about that. We just want people to come in, take the training, know what they're going to say, know who they're going to go after and to let our team help them put out the content that's going to, you know, effectively put their agency in front of their perfect customer. Was there, um, was there like a trigger event? Like how, how did this take off? How did major look take off? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it was just one of those things where it goes back to, uh, there was a market, the, the market, the market said, you know, we need, we need better opportunities than what we see on Facebook. We need better advertising opportunities. We need, we need a way to get in front of our perfect customer. We need to grow our pipelines. And so it was just the, the market saying that. And for me, I've been in the video space since, since 1997. Um, and my very first job was, I was, my very first job as a teenager was I was a camera operator in a public access TV station. And so mm -hmm. I got my start on the editing side of, content creation. I was a grunt kid. I was, I was a VA before VAs were a thing. And I would take VHS, VHS tapes, splice them together and, you know, do this elaborate thing. So I fell in love with the editing side of things. Then fast forward to when I started getting into sales and business ownership, uh, even before that, back in 2005, I had to figure out a way to grow, to, to get in front of people. I had to figure out a way to get customers because it wasn't like the motherships were giving me much help. And so I needed a way to differentiate myself from everybody else. And so I started really going deep into the marketing side of video marketing. I tell people video marketing is something that everybody focuses too much on the video aspect and not enough on the marketing aspect. And so I wanted to focus just on the marketing. I knew how to create videos, but I didn't know how to create videos that were going to make people want to take action with me, make people want to buy something from me. And so really understanding copywriting, persuasion, positioning, uh, all these buzzwords and things that are kind of pillars in the advertising space and then putting the two things together. And then perfect timing was, is that, you know, YouTube ads became uh, a thing uh, not that long ago. And, it, and they really give you the tools to, I mean, it makes me look a lot smarter than I am. I just say, look, I, Google says I can do this. I'm just going to do it. And, and just kind of go on in that regard. But it was more so the market saying we need a, we need a way to really 
grow our agencies and to get in front of people that wanted to business with us because the things that we have now, whether it was print advertising or Facebook advertising or even pay-per-click advertising on google.com is either ineffective or expensive. We need kind of a, a, a we need a, an easier way to achieve the same result. And so that's where right now, that's where YouTube ads help us do that. I tell you what, man, if you want to hook into the middle market, we already figured it out. You run ads about BMWs. Like, that's what, <laughs> that's what blows my mind. You know, it's so funny because the reason why, now, I mean, I, and I understand the psychology and stuff behind it. BMWs, by and large, fit that whole cultish deal. There's, you know, Bimmers of Tampa or whatever club, like Jeep and Harley and everything else. But honestly, man, the only reason we led with BMW is because three of us had BMWs and we knew we could put the cars in the, in the video, right? So we did it and it just went ballistic. And, you know, what I found was if you can get that person on the phone and you're talking to them, you're going to find out that a lot of business owners and decision makers drive BMWs. Or Mercedes or, yeah, or, like or Harleys, right? Yeah. So, so if, you're, if you're an agency owner and you want to look at a way to get good business leads, I know you're going to think I'm nuts, but you should be running ads around personal insurance programs for some of these luxury cars right. and then have a script on the phone so that when that person calls, you can very easily pivot because that's exactly what I did. I don't know anything at all about personal insurance. I mean, I know enough, enough enough to get me in trouble, but if I get on the phone with you and I find out you own something, I'm going to be on that like a dog on a bone, man. I'm not letting go. And it's so funny because we were, Kyle was, it was in the middle of one of the sales meetings. I mean, we had everybody, we had people pil uh, spilled out into the hallway and the phone rings and it's like, I can hear whoever it was. I think it was Destiny answers the phone and she comes into the sales meeting and she says, guy on the phone wants to talk to you. I'm like, it, it's sales meeting. What do you mean the guy on the phone wants to talk to me? She goes, no, he that's talked so to me. Destiny. He said, I saw your ad and, and, and he wants to talk to you. I say, here, Raphael or somebody, go go talk to this guy. She said, no, he wants to talk to the guy that was in the commercial. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's, that's messed up. So, I mean, it's, uh... it's crazy to think that way, but I mean, I would have, I bet you of the number of people I talked to, at least probably a half dozen of them said, you sound just like the guy that was in that ad. Well, I am the guy yeah. that was. Uh, the, ad, the ad recall is, is a pretty strong component. That's why it's another reason why I think it's really, really well. By ad recall, I mean, people remember it. You scroll through Facebook or you go through other types of advertising platforms. You see an ad, you forget the ad for the most part, but there's something about when you see it on video like that on a platform that maybe you're not used to somebody speaking directly to you. And that's where the power comes in. And so the, the people remember that and you have to be opportunistic in your words, you have to be a stone cold killer, right? If you're not a stone cold killer, nothing, you can take the two people out to lunch, make them shake hands and talk about business. Nothing's going to happen, right? You have to be able to make the move and to see the opportunity and then seize the opportunity when it's there. And that's, that's why, I mean, that's why you or anybody else has success. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's extremely accurate. And one learning experience we had, you know, understanding that was really our first foray into personal lines. Like we were just, yeah. we weren't even a month old in personal lines and we turned that thing on and it absolutely flooded HubSpot and the agency within a matter of a week. Yeah, that was a frantic week. It was a frantic week and we had no processes in place. Nothing. Right? I'm like, <laughs> Drowning. Chickens with heads cut off, man. It was wild. 
you know, I was drowning in the deep end saying, throw me a pool noodle or something, man. I got to come up for air, but there's not a pool noodle on the world in the world that could hold you up, dude. I will now go home and do a Facebook live. With me yeah. With about four of them. With me wearing nothing but a pool noodle. <laughs> Doing a cannonball uh, into the deep end. <laughs> nice try. They make really big noodles at Costco in case you wondered. Of course they do. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's huge. And I mean, you're, you've expanded that though. I mean, you're not just working with agencies and made you look anymore. Right. I mean, you've got several markets of, of people that you work yeah, with. It's weird. You know, we go through like this. Um, it's strange. The one niche that we're getting a lot of is right now is we're getting a lot of solar people, solar companies, because, and this is what happens. Things get challenging over on Facebook where they're used to playing in the sandbox and then Facebook, puts the screws to them. So we saw this with mortgage. So we got a lot of people who are in the mortgage space and real estate space. And then we get a lot of people now in the solar space. And uh, so we, we just, they, I tell them, look, I, I and I'm very honest with people. I, I go, look, uh, in the very beginning, I may not have a whole lot of success with you, um, but I'm willing to try. And so they take, they, you know, they, they put their trust in me and then we help them. They get results. Talked to a guy yesterday. He owns a solar company that made 19 solar sales this month from just their YouTube ads. And they're only in the state of New York. They're not national. And so he goes, you know, we, we, if we can be above 10, that's great. He's hitting 19. And so, uh, you know, for me, I, I like the challenge of it. It, 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 it forces me, I, I love marketing. And so that's why I, I love the position that I'm in with Better Agency. I get to tell the story of Better Agency. Anything that allows me to kind of sharpen that ax a little bit on that side, I find it enjoyable. And so, you know, some people, they, they go nuts for sales. That's not me. I, you know, some people go nuts for operations. That's not me. Uh, for me, I go nuts about marketing and being able to tell the story and, you know, to be that kind of guy who's drawn the, the little hieroglyphics on the, on the, on the, you know, as a caveman on the wall and having people understand what I'm talking about. To me, that's, that's the fun. What's something that you thought you knew about marketing that maybe you found out is not the case? Um, the shorter is better. There will be people who will say, you know, you, you shouldn't, you should make your content. X. People like lose their attention span type of thing. Type of thing. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I go, well, no, I think, I think what Nick's saying is people are going to tell you to keep it short and sweet because right. that's going to get you more people that react to it. But I'm going to be a hundred percent in agreement with what I know he's going to say next. Yeah, I think that the honestly, I'm okay with a, a few things on that. I'm okay with weeding out the people that aren't serious. And if I can, and, and for me, I believe that words are the most important component of all marketing. It's not video, it's not the internet, it's none of that. Those are just a little, that, that, that's fruit on the tree. The roots of marketing are all built on the idea that words are the most important component of all marketing because people will buy things based on the words that they hear based on the words that they read or the words that somebody else tell them. And so language and words are, are, are incredibly powerful. So the more that I can craft the right offer and say the right words, not, not in a deceptive way, not in a manipulative way, but in a true transparent way that really speaks to the need of what they want. If the more I can, I can dig that in and that might take two minutes. That might take three minutes, depending on how far along in the, in the awareness journey that you're in, you know, how aware of a problem you have, I tell people all the time, you know, if you, if you try to show me a, a video that shows me how to speak Mandarin, I don't care. 
because I don't care to learn Mandarin. But if you show me a video that really speaks to something that I really want, I'll watch that for five minutes. I'll watch it for seven minutes if I really believe it's going to solve a problem. And so I think one of the, one of the myths of marketing is that shorter is better. I'd rather go long, weed out the, the people who aren't serious, and then spend my time only talking to the one person who I know I'm going to have a conversation with and convince them, compel them that they need to take action. So for me, I think that's one of the things that, that I continue to learn even to this day. I'll, I'll, I'll make a video ad or I'll, I'll work with somebody on a video ad and they'll say, you know, it's only, it's only 30 seconds long. Or they'll say, you know, it's five minutes long. Okay, well, if it's, if it's the right five minutes, it's the right five minutes. Um, and, and, and that's fine. That's I, did a cyber, I did a cyber ad uh, last year. I was working with David on this. Um, we didn't quite have the product offering correct um, and maybe there's still hope in that regard, but the, you know, the video was seven minutes long and we were getting people watching the whole way through or watching half of it. And this is before they watched the Joe Rogan experience. This is before they watch uh, Dude Perfect. This is before they watch whatever they were going to watch. Mm-hmm. And so longer, I think is, and this is a universal thing, long sales copy usually outperforms short sales copy. I'll tell you right now, um, my number one performing piece that's out there right now is a landing page with about a two minute video that's sort of an intro into how to cut costs inside your workers comp program because everybody's looking to save money. I don't want to say how to reduce your premium because in Florida you can't really do that because the state sets the rates, but there are ways to cut costs and, and get efficiency. And so we send them to a landing page, two, two and a half minute little teaser video where they can sign up to watch the full one hour webinar that I had done live recorded and now have on the website so that once they give me their information, we'll give them access to the full blown webinar. I have had in the last two weeks, five leads come to me from that webinar. The most recent of them was today and it's a $500,000 trucking company. I did nothing, nothing, but have it there. Isn't that awesome? You know, and it's like, how good could I be if I was like, actually, and we did have some search and display stuff around that originally, but we don't even have that anymore. I'm not even paying any advertising. It's just there and it's set up and it works. And it's funny because something must have happened. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, maybe it's because I published some new blog material over the course of the last couple of weeks, but we've seen a spike in our traffic and our online uh, lead forms coming in have really gone through the roof in the last several days. And the other thing too, to your point earlier, I should have said this then, but I basically just said, look guys, don't even waste your time on the phone with small business anymore. Here's a link to a small business portal, quote, bind issue, boom, give this to everybody. We're not going to waste time on that. Number two, people want to add drivers, delete vehicles, whatever else, no more email, no more phone calls, boom, automatic uh, out of office assistant that directs them to the web form. On the phone, hey, I appreciate the call, but right now everything has to go through here. Here's why. Give them a quick explanation. And literally, boom, everybody's been using the web forms to do that, whereas only about 30% were prior. It really, it's my fault. I didn't require them to do it. I didn't put my foot down and say, look, I'm not going to accept any more stuff this way. Partially because some of these accounts are pretty good size and revenue. You don't want to piss somebody off and, you know, because you have them doing a web form, but but it's all on how you, it's all on how you frame it. It's just like anything else. I'm sure they 
own companies and operate companies too, where they have certain processes and procedures and the bigger company they are, probably the more bureaucratic and more formalized those processes and procedures are. So I think if you explain it a certain way, and I, for me, I always found luck in blaming somebody else. I mean, that's just my, <laughs> I blame the government. I blame the insurance companies. I, it's not me, um, but I just blame compliance and lawyers and everybody else. And I really say, look, this is in your best interest. And so if you're a business owner, you probably understand this, you know, uh, so it's probably an all, an all in how you frame it. Last segment, let's talk a little bit about IAOA because there's probably people out there, as crazy as it sounds, that don't know what it is, what it's about. And I'm going to be a huge advocate and say that it had Laura Sherman, uh, who's a partner at the very first agency I worked at. If she hadn't seen that I started Florida Risk and added me to IAOA back in late 2017, you and I wouldn't know each other. And I can tell you that a whole lot of other things in my life probably wouldn't exist. Not because I'm not capable, not because. Just the uh, idea. Maybe the idea wasn't there. Or, or just the fact that I would have just been a really, in my mind, a really well-kept secret here in Tampa, Florida area that nobody ever would have known. I wouldn't have collaborated with other people. I wouldn't have made friends. I wouldn't have gotten to know them. I mean, at some point, Kyle's going to say, when are you going to run out of people you know from across the country to have on the podcast? <laughs> it, it's never going to happen because I always have people that haven't been on that, that we want to have on yet. But I want you to talk a little bit about that because I can assure you that it's been a huge impact to my agency, to my career and, and everything that, you know, I have been able to achieve over the course of the last couple of years I attribute a huge amount of that success, A, to IAOA, and B, to the platform that Jason Cass gave me to jump on his podcast one time and talk about what it's like to go out and write commercial insurance in the middle market. I jumped on his podcast and thought, I'm just basically talking about what I do every day. Nobody wants to hear this, and that changed the game for me. Yeah. Well, IAOA um, is one of those things where it was – it's truly unplanned. And people ask all the time, what's the plan with IAOA? I don't know. We just ride the wave. That's my, and it's just my philosophy. Let's just ride the wave and see where it takes us. Um, it started out uh, as a primitive Facebook group. And by some all accounts, and depending on who you ask, it probably is still that way. But it started out as a primitive Facebook group. No, no name, nothing. Started by a guy here in Arizona, my business partner, Dave Jackson. And he, uh, he added some local people that he knew as agency owners. He was, a, he was just getting out of the state. He was, getting, he was leaving the state farm world and opening up an independent agency. Didn't know anybody. Wanted to, wanted to meet people who were other agency owners. So it didn't have a name? Was this like Fight Club? Like what's going on? Yeah, it was like, it was like in the early <laughs> days. It was like 2013, uh, you know, yeah. back then. And so Facebook groups were just like, they weren't like what they are now. Right. Well, you know why? Because the page algorithm hadn't been changed yet. So you still had everybody seeing everything. Yeah. If you had a page, then they changed that to where you couldn't see anything. So we, those of us that were in the e-commerce world had to start groups so that everybody could see every single post. Yeah. And so he just wanted to try to collaborate with some local people. I, I was a friend. I was that insurance agent back then, 2011, 2012 on Facebook, who was friend requesting all the insurance agents I knew just because I wanted to see what they were doing. And he was a state farm agent. I didn't care if you were captive or independent. And so he added me. I was like member number four or five or somewhere in that, somewhere in there. And um, we just started having this Facebook group. It was nothing, you know, 
it was like most Facebook groups today that are small. You, you get some stuff. And there's some engagement. And then my good friend in Montana, Brandon Smith, he says, you know, he's, you know, he's like, he's in there. We probably have 20, 30 people in there somewhere along that line. And he says, Hey, I, I want to come down to California. Let's try to figure out a way we can make this like a, a business write off, uh, take our families to Disneyland. What if we ask some of the people in this group, let's just get together at a hotel and have a business meeting and then go to Disneyland and write the whole thing off. All right. You ain't going to twist my arm. So we, we planned this first event in Anaheim and we have 27, 28 people show up. We're in that traditional like B and I meeting type U shaped uh, table setting. And we just go around the room and we just start sharing ideas. We talk about what we're doing in our agencies. We're talking about what's working. We're talking about what's not working. Um, we had a guy uh, who's uh, was one of my original mentors in this industry, Mike Stromso. Uh, he, he came on, if you don't know Mike, he's, if you don't know Mike, you don't know, you've, you, you know whether or not you know Mike or not. He's, he's the Tony Robbins of the insurance industry in a, in a great way. He's just very motivational, very encouraging and doesn't stop moving. And so he, uh, he comes in and, he, and he, he's our keynote speaker, <laughs> you know, 27 people. I thought you were going to tell me he had you start walking across hot coals. He, he would be the type of guy to do that. Uh, and I would do it. If Mike said to do it, I would do it. Um, great guy. And so we leave that meeting and we just, we just had this great two days with each other. And me and Brandon and, and Dave, we look at each other and we say, maybe, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's a need here. We just started, we started doing annual events. We started doing that and we really built a, a community where, where we tell people it's really built on three pillars, innovation, selflessness, and collaboration. Those are the core principles of IAOA. We believe that the agency owner across the street from us is not our competition. If you view them as competition, then that's a mindset problem that you have to deal with. There's plenty of business for everybody. And we believe that we truly are better together. And all, you know, when, when the tide rises, all, so will all the boats. And so we started just working with people and, and, and people weren't afraid to share what they were doing. They weren't afraid to share what was working and what wasn't working. They weren't, share, they weren't afraid to, to be vocal about things. They weren't afraid to, to give resources and tips and advice. And it just kind of grew from there. And, and that group of, you know, five, six people, 27 people, now we're at about 7,000 people country to, you know, countrywide from Hawaii to Maine to Florida to Washington and everywhere in between. And, you know, people tell us, you know, because most Facebook groups now, they're, they're a monetized version of a sales program of some sort, whatever it is, whether it's roasting coffee or insurance or whatever. Tell people, IAOA is free. Our vision of this will never change. Um, we want agency owners to have a place where they can come and agency owners only, independent agency owners only, to come and to feel like they have community, to feel like there's, uh, there's other people just like them. And so like just in the other day, we had somebody in the group saying, you know what, I think, I, I think I'm done with this. I think I'm going to sell my agency. And of course you get a few people who are like, I'll buy it. Right. <laughs> but you have plenty of people on there who, who are telling her, you know, cheer up. The sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah. Been there, done that. Right. I think everybody's yeah. been there before. Yeah. And whether you're, and I tell people, IAOA is the place for you, whether you've been an agency owner for three days, three years or three decades, you know, if you are willing to put yourself out there and help someone else, you'll find that come back to you in some form in return, whether it is, ideas or strategies or tips or just things that you're going to do in your life. I, I've now become friends with so many people in the industry, guys like David got, you know, and so many others where I see them now as not just as colleagues, that's cold. I see them as friends. And so I think that it's, it's greatly benefited my life in that way. 
And uh, and I think it's also great because now we see a lot of agency owners who would never know guys like David or or even maybe not guys like David, but you know, male and female from every background, you know, who didn't have a voice before. Now they now they feel like they have a voice. They feel like they have a platform, and that's really cool to see. We've seen a lot of things kind of springboard out of IAOA, um, things that people have gotten a vision for and they've dreamed up and they go and do it. And I tell people, I'm your biggest cheerleader. I want I want to see you win. I don't want to see you lose unless you're a dick, you know, I want to see you win. And so it's been really cool to see, you know, a lot of people win and to see, and to see it still, still there. So, you know, we do an annual event. We'll have our next event in uh, April. Usually it's in January, but somebody ate a bat over in China. And so we have to push it back to April. Um, it's going to be in Tampa. And at Tampa, David Crothers is going to be one of our, one of two, keynote speakers uh he's gonna be bringing the hammer so he'll be a main stage speaker because he's he's he brings that value and he, bring, he brings he, he throws that fastball and that's what that's brings what people, the heat yeah he throws the fastball wheat chin music baby yeah and so you know we're, we're hope we don't know what a post-covid crowd's gonna be um but we are hoping to be somewhere in that 750 to a thousand agency owners in attendance for that weekend. Uh, and I think it'll either be, it'll either be nobody shows up because they're scared or it'll be so many people are like, you know what? I need to, I need to get back to hugging necks and shaking hands and seeing people. I think there's a lot of people that are there, man. Everybody's getting fed up with it. One thing, one thing I did want to touch on. um, And I mean, just again, to, to, to talk about some of the impact and what this has morphed into Monday this coming Monday, we're dropping an episode with Denise and Teresa yes. specifically about the, the women of IAOA. And that was an excellent podcast. I get asked all the time about that. They're like, do you know there's a women of IAOA group? I go, yeah, yeah, good, good for them. Yeah. And I think, I think that's great, man. And, you know, I think that the more of that that can happen and the more conversations that we can have similar to what we had on the podcast, like in front of, thousands of people, you know, not necessarily live, but exposing them to that thought process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think the world becomes a better place and I don't want that to sound cliche or anything else. I think that we have a platform of like-minded people, uh, not necessarily the same size and shape and everything in terms of agencies, but if you can open your mind and listen to what other people are, are doing and going through, you'll find out that we have way more in common than we don't. And I think that um, I'm just excited to see what happens over the course of the next couple of years, just because you're at the area now where you're not going to scale it as fast as you have, because there's not, you're just going to run out of agency owners at some point, but looking at more of those focused things that happen that are sort of a spinoff, like, you know, uh, Steve Holly did his deal on building a mastermind for his workshop at innovation back in, San Diego. And as a result of that, I came back home and was involved am now involved in a mastermind with Greg Hogan, Ed Cooper, Jennifer Clages, Todd Tams, and Ricky Hayter. Right. And it's like, that's my own little family. That's my safe place. That's where I can go to say all the things I can't say in public and not have to worry about them getting out. Right. And I know that I'm talking to an audience of people who aren't going to judge me for that and that are going to keep things in confidence and ultimately are going to be able to relate to those things. And I mean, that's, I think that's a huge thing because so many of us don't even have a place to vet. Here's the thing. Life is hard enough as it is. And in this industry, in this industry, industry specific, 
it's so easy to make enemies. It's not easy to make friends, right? You sometimes, and sometimes you feel like you're out on the island all unto yourself. And you, you, seem to, you seem to think that the problems that you face are unique. The challenges that you're up against are, they're just challenges that only you face. And you're right. Not every agency is the same shape, size, or has the same focus. But we all speak the same language. And we all want our businesses to do better. And so where it's naturally sometimes hard to make friends, you know, IAOAs, I think, has given a lot of people the ability to have that. It's, a, it's really the community for a lot of people. By community, I, you know, we tell people, you know, and I have names in my head, I'm, I would never, we tell people all the time, I think IAOA is their church. I mean, because if it wasn't for that, like, who, what, what would they do? It's their, it's their sense of community and purpose. And, you know, that is, make of it what you want, but I think it's, I think it's kind of cool that it provides that for, for people and gives people vision. It, I don't know that Major Look would ever have happened if it wasn't for IAOA. I don't know that Better Agency would ever have happened if it wasn't for IAOA. I'm sure Killing Commercial would exist, but it would probably be different than what it is today. Killing and Commercial was born directly from Innovation 2020. I mean, you would have had the idea at some point, right? But it would have gotten legs. It never would have had the level of influence that it has. I mean, and it's cool because it's, again, I, I look at that as a spinoff of a bigger deal, but it's a subset of agencies that are like-minded going after the same goal. And again, completely free and open with collaboration. It's awesome. I mean, I love it. It's, it's extremely, for as humbled as I am on a small scale with 80 some people in there, I can't imagine what it's like to, ha- well, I can't imagine what it's like when you're dealing with 7,000, but if you take the bad and filter it out and you look at the good, it's just, yeah. it's inspiring and humbling all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I'm, 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 I'm really glad that you are, you kind of have, uh, set a pace, right? And so I think if people look at you and they're like, well, if David can, can share if david can can be this open if david can be this helpful then i can too um it's funny man because that's that that's a very valid point you know if anybody has questions i'm always quick to drop my link and tell them set up some time or you know i'll, I'll private message with them or whatever else and it never ends when i you know when i get on the phone with them like I just can't believe that you're willing to help and you're willing to give this much time. And I'm sitting here thinking, why wouldn't I? I mean, if people didn't help me, I wouldn't have been able to be, you know, anywhere near successful. So why wouldn't I turn around? But I mean, I guess part of that is a lot of people aren't. All right. So I got a question for you. And this is going to throw you for a curveball. I think if you follow David online, you know that David is passionate about a few things. Uh, Middle market insurance, uh, being one of them. Mullets. Depends on where online, by the way, Nick. I mean, <laughs> karaoke is another one. Uh, there's, there's a few passions, but one thing that you quickly pick up on is the fact that David is a barbecue connoisseur. Was that, is that fair to say? Fair to say. And it seems like brisket is your favorite cut of meat to smoke. Uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's my favorite. It's frequent, though. I do it a lot. And I'm pretty why you, good at it. Why, why do you go to the brisket and not anything else? Why, I don't see a lot of ribs. I don't see a lot of pork. So I, so I do. I just don't post pictures of that. So we did ribs this last weekend. We did, or a couple of weekends ago, we did Boston butt this last weekend. I noticed uh, something about your brisket. Yeah? 
you're, you're gonna get mad at me. You're gonna you're gonna throw away the whole episode here. Not at all. You're gonna tell me I don't have enough bark on it. You there's never bark on it. Where's the bark? And so that's the whole thing, dude. I'm I I'm very open and honest about. Um, you know exactly to, where I was gonna go. There's yeah, no because it's, it, that's been that's like been the holy grail for me. If I ever figure out the bark, I'll probably never cook brisket again. Like, you don't like bark? No, I do. I just can't make it happen. Like I'm I've tried everything. And it has something to, I don't I don't know what it has to do with, but I cannot get the bark on the brisket. That's not smoke ring either. Uh, smoke ring is usually fairly decent, but bark not yeah. so much. Bark is non-existent. And the other thing is the brisket's been good though. I've had it a number of times. No, it tastes good, but it just the bark on the outside. That's what makes the brisket, and I have failed miserably at getting that done. Where I thought you were going to go is to ask me why I picked brisket instead of tri trip or pecania or some of those well, others. Well, because you probably don't have it in abundance there. It's probably you don't have it at all. Yeah, it's easier to get brisket. I actually I actually really really like tri tip. Um I did my first one a couple of weeks ago because we had a specialty meat market open right by the office and they had it. So I got one marinating tonight. I'm going to grill it tonight. I didn't marinate this one. I just let it fly with the normal way I season stuff, but I got reasonable, reasonable bark on it. But the recipe I followed for the tri-tip, it was done in like 45 minutes. Like it wasn't like smoking a brisket where you do all day. It was literally. Sounds like you might have had a smaller one too. It was, it was really small. It was maybe like the size of a big steak, but you, um, I mean, doesn't, isn't the the bark kind of uh, determined by the stuff you're putting the seasoning that you're putting on it and what temperature you got it at with the temperature and the way the smoke interacts with the chemical reaction with the rub and the stuff that's on the outside. And I don't know what it is. I don't, the only thing I can think of is that I'm not putting enough wood chunks in to smoke it enough to get the solid smoke ring with get, the bark. Do you get smoke? Do you get bark on anything else at your barbecue? Like ribs or anything or nothing? Yeah, I get reasonable. The other th- and you well, know I what? Things that you might use sugar on. I don't use sugar on anything. You don't put sugar on any barbecue. I don't put it on beef, but you don't put it on any pork. Mm-mm. Oh, it's not in. And it's got to be in some of the rubs that you use, unless, unless you make your own. I use a lot of. I use all of the Malcolm Reed uh, "How to Barbecue Right Killer Hogs." Right, rub. my guy. Dude, that guy's got a freaking meatloaf on the back of his head. He is oh so fat. God. His like, neck is like the size of my waist. Is yeah. He, he's got like the big burly voice. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, this is the guy that, yeah. And he every time he <laughs> eats something, his, his yeah, MO, that's, <laughs> that's what I like to call. Like, he'll have he'll have a big old plate full. That's what I call a pile of burn ends. And then he, I'm going to go in and get some. And he, that's what I call ribs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But here's what I love about that guy. I like watching his oldest YouTube video and seeing the neighborhood he lived in on a Weber kettle. Guys balling now. Now he's in like a three quarter million dollar house with 15 grills and a pool and everything else. Yeah. It's insane. He figured it out. But yeah, hopefully he figured out that life insurance too. Ooh. So. I can't even imagine. <laughs> but anyhow, well, listen, man. Yeah, I need to work on my Bart game. But I, I think I solved, I think I figured it out. I think the number one thing that I have recently changed because I've had way better bark on everything else that I've smoked is I quit using aluminum foil and I switched to exclusively peach paper. Butcher paper. Yeah. When do you foil your brisket? So the brisket, we take it up to 165 and then then we uh, wrap it and then we let it go to 198. Okay. But when you. Similar to the Boston butt. But my problem was, 
I would take a, a half a cup of coffee and pour it into the aluminum foil so that the moisture was there. And you're, that was, you're basically braising it at that point. Yeah, it, you, it, it's just it tastes. I great. did that with beef ribs. I, so I got beef ribs. I like plate ribs, and I I uh, I, I salt and pepper, garlic, uh, maybe a little little coffee rub on that. Let that smoke for two hours, and then I braise it in a little bit of Guinness in in uh, uh, in foil let that kind of get moist. And then I put it back on the smoker for about another hour. So I just kind of like a two, one, two type method. That's solid. Yeah. Very nice. good. Listen, man, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you spending some time with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good that you got to meet Kyle. Yeah. yeah. We don't let him out of his cage very often. No. <laughs> is it true that Kyle's Dark probably down there. The, real, the real man behind the, is he like the wizard of Oz? Like he's the real guy behind the curtain. No yeah. chance, dude. Yes. <laughs> We have to keep no it a secret. I don't need that kind of pressure in my life, man. <laughs> well, listen, guys, I'm going to wrap up. I hope you both have a good weekend, and yep. uh, I'll talk to you soon, Nick. Thanks. All right, guys. See you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes and our website, killingcommercial.com.